Episode 46 of the podcast is with coaches Jack Inman and Matt Wood. They were previously of Berry Academy Sports Scientists. I think it's well known um, what's gone on at Berry. It's been in all over the news. Um, it was great to speak to the lads to reflect on the time and what's been going on, to get their points of view um, about what's been going on and, and um, just talk through the lessons that they've taken from this time as well. They also spoke about the considerations they'll make going into future roles and their focus during the time. So when there was so much uncertainty, what their focus was on and how they kept the players on track. So it was great to speak to the lads. I know they mentioned in the episode about potential opportunities to go and um, watch coaches, to go and visit clubs. So if anyone has got anything that they could offer the lads, then please reach out to either them directly um, so the, the lads information there on Twitter, Jack is at the number five, Jack Inman, and then Matt is at MattWood05. So you can either reach out directly to them or drop us a message and just let us know if there are any opportunities for them to come down and visit because I know they're really keen to um, create opportunities for themselves. They're regular attendees at our meetings um, I think they've been to the majority of meetings and travelled all over the place to come and network with players. So they are coaches that are willing to put the work in, given the opportunity. I've already seen them posting on um, on social media about going working and volunteering at some local clubs and, and keeping fresh with the practice, which is great to see. So yeah, if anyone has got anything, then um, that'd be great. Big thank you. Um, we are just a few days after the Manchester meeting. So we were at the Manchester Institute of Health and Performance with Darren Burgess and um, the presentation was just absolutely unbelievable. So massive thank you to Darren. Um, it was, I said to him at the time, the most honest and insightful presentation I think I've seen anyone do. There was loads of top information in there, but it was also great to catch up with all the, all the coaches that attended. Big thank you to Black Box Fitness as well because they supported the event. Um, the facility over at the Institute of Health and Performance is quality as well. We had a little look around and um, it's absolutely quality. So if you are in that area, I do recommend to go and have a look. Um, it's, a, it's a top facility and to be honest, there wasn't many people using it. So it is something that, um, that practitioners can go and use. So if you are looking for somewhere to use, then, then have a little look at that. We, we are in the process of just confirming the next few meetings. I hope by the time we bring next week's podcast out, we will have a few meetings confirmed before the end of the year. And then we're also looking at some dates for next year now as well. But if you are at a club and you are interested in hosting a network meeting, please reach out to us. You can either drop us a email. So we're mail at footballfitfed.com or you can um, drop us a direct message on Twitter as well. And we'll, we'll try and sort it out because we're trying to get the next few dates sorted and in the diary. But in the meantime, big thanks again to Jack and Matt for coming on and enjoy the episode with them. Welcome to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today I am joined by Jack Inman and Matt Wood. This is our third, I think it's only our third ever live episode this, so it'll be privileged lads. I yeah. know you've made a tough journey in today. I was going to say, it's a worthwhile journey. <laughs> <laughs> We're in sunny Manchester, um, it's not sunny at all, it's raining as, as usual, but the lads have come in to join me, I really appreciate them coming in um, and making the journey in, I do joke, but I think it has been a bit of a nightmare journey to come in, so yeah. thanks a lot for coming in. But we're going to get into 
um, both of your experiences straight away. So, Jack, let's start with you. Take us through um, your experience, where you've been, up to current day. So, I started off at Berry two years ago as a volunteer. So I've done that now for two seasons whilst I've been at university. Finished my degree, just about to complete my masters. And then at the end of last season, when the first team staff moved on, they've all moved up from throughout. So the academy all moved up to the first team. So I've been offered a part-time role with the 916s SNC. So yeah, that's where I'm at up to now. Awesome, and Matt, so. Yeah, so a lot of my background's in rugby league. Um, so I played professionally up until I went to uni. And then um, you could probably say I was a stereotypical uni uni lad. Like I had no experience throughout uni. I sort of graduated and thought, right, where's the job then? <laughs> and it, obviously it wasn't forthcoming. So I went back and did a master's. And it was sort of while I was doing my master's, I was looking sort of desperately for anywhere for experience, really. And it was a case of emailing every single club in the Northwest. And I was lucky enough, really, that Berry were the only ones who got back to me out of every club. And uh, Mark Leveland, the academy manager, invited me in. And um, I was doing bits of voluntary work and then a little bit of part-time work about a month later. And then that sort of developed. So I've done bits as head of academy when there's been bits going on with the first team when everyone's moved up. So that's been sort of six months at a time. And then about three months ago, we were all promoted up, so that was full-time then. Um, so, yeah. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will know, obviously, what's gone on with Barry, and uh, we'll have seen it in the news and sort of followed it, and that, and that was partly the reason of you guys coming on the podcast, but also what we can learn from it as, a, as an industry as well, because I know you guys have been through, what, a pretty horrific time recently, but I think it, and we were just talking before we went live in, in that, what can we learn from it and, and where will we go for it? So that's going to be the focus of the podcast, really. But do you want to, do you want, and either, either of you take it, just take us through like recent events and we don't have to go into obviously everything that everyone knows in the news, but just sort of from your point of view, how it's been. Um, for me personally, it was quite difficult because I've just finished university and I thought, oh, if I'm going to get a paid role in something I want to pursue as a career. And for that to be like taken away was wasn't the best feeling in the world, but you have to take it on the chin, I suppose, and move on from it. But it was difficult. The last few weeks of the club was the mood around the place was grim, really. Yeah, I think it's difficult because people often think we know more than everybody, but we're the same. We're looking on news websites, Twitter, and as the news breaks, we're seeing that news, so we could be. Like, there's been a few times we've been mid-session with the under-18s and something's come out mm. and the coaches are like, oh, this has happened, oh, this has happened. But it's been a case of having to stay professional in a way and sort of these are our sessions. Like, we might have a little bit in the morning where we're a little bit, everyone's feeling a bit down, but as soon as the lads come in, then it's almost a switch. Yeah. And then we're back into that zone. Yeah, I suppose that's the hard thing, isn't it? And, yeah. I, and I can't imagine what the uncertainty's been like. And I think you're right in that, that you say that a lot of people would have the perception that you guys know exactly what's going on, you know, what's going to happen in the future, and yeah. it wasn't the case at all, was it? So yeah. Yeah. what? how did you keep the sort of the mentality of, of the players and the staff? And, and was it a case of just coming together as a coaching unit? Or, like, how did you approach that? I think... 
We were lucky in terms of our under-18s manager, Ryan Kidd, is very switched on. He's, he's very experienced and he's a very good man-manager. Um, so he, he was almost very honest with the lads. He was like, look, this is a situation we're in. This is what we know, this is what we don't know. And he said, even if things do go to the worst, you've got to make sure you're fit. You've got to make sure you're still working as hard as you can over the next however many weeks for you then to move straight into another club. Yeah. And I think that mindset almost transferred to everyone. Yeah. The players were in the same boat as us. As yeah. in they knew exactly what we did throughout the whole period. We didn't keep them shut out from what the staff knew all together and we all knew exactly what was going on mm. until the very end. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very challenging time, isn't it? But what were some of the biggest chat obviously there's the, the obvious challenge, but what were some of the biggest challenges you faced with players? Was there anyone that was sort of feeling like they wanted to just sack it off or was there, was there any of that going on or was it just a case of like pulling together getting through it and working towards like future contracts well that was it it was just keeping the players focused really mm. a lot of them wanted to know all the time like what, what's the point in doing this gym session if we're not going to have a club what's the point in this but it's just keeping them focused and on board and that was really it to be fair they didn't know where they'd be at next week or tomorrow so mm. just keeping them on board yeah. working hard throughout the whole period mm-hmm. I think as well people in the news would see that all the first team games were cancelled but all the academy games were cancelled as well Yeah. so you've got lads who are 16, 17, 18 who want to play football so they're coming in training hard all week and then they're finding out towards the end of the week the first team game's gone so our game's gone mm-hmm. and obviously with other academy starting their season it's hard then to even get a friendly so I think maybe played two games over about six weeks right so it's I think it's, it's tough to stay in the mindset of, of playing a game on the weekend when you're training so hard all week and then it's gone yeah on the weekend yeah yeah because the focus is very much on first team at that time isn't it but I think people forget and it's first team players I think more yeah, than yeah, on the staff I think that's yeah. fair to say so the fact that there are staff members not being paid and there are academy players not not playing, academy staff not being paid, it's, there's a lot more than meets the eye, isn't there, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. gone on. Um, so what were your like individual focuses? So when you were going into like training sessions where you, you'd seen games getting cancelled, obviously players are going to be annoyed at the fact that they're not playing football because the football's at the end of the day. What were your focuses at that time? It's almost just the player motivation. So. I never really saw it from my perspective in a way because I thought that would be almost selfish because there's other people in the same situation and they're all still coming in, doing their jobs. And then think for the players, because if we're not on our game, then it affects the players. So I think trying to keep them motivated was the main thing, really. Mm-hmm. I, I like, almost thought there's people in worse situations than me, people with mortgages and families and stuff. I have mm-hmm. not thought that at the minute. So... For me, it was just like thinking of them more than myself. Mm. And again, just trying to motivate the players, keeping them on board, keeping them happy. Because obviously they were going through as bad of a time as we were, so yeah, to keep them on board and happy was the main focus, really. We almost tried to change things to games, didn't we, towards the end? Yeah. So everything we did was a game, game in a way. Yeah. yeah, so it was like a bit of competition, a bit of a laugh. Because it, it did get to the point where a few people were coming in moaning and groaning so we just tried everything we did was fun especially with the 18s because obviously they've finished school now so it's their job as well yeah 
So to keep it, to keep them happy was just the best thing, really, wasn't it? Mm. So I think the worst thing for them is it's not their fault. Like they're not being released because they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of hype over summer because this is probably the best team that we've had in a few years. And obviously last year we got to the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup and we were expecting to be better this season. And I think for them to almost have the rug pulled from underneath them is a little bit of a kick in the teeth for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that frustration, isn't it? You're working towards something, you sound like you were getting to where you wanted to where you wanted to be and for a club like Barry to get that far in the that must be in the cup, that must be a big achievement. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see exactly where the, the players would be frustrated as much as you guys, isn't it? All the hard work that goes into it. Where where are the, are the players ended up at different clubs? Are, are they sorted? Are you, are you still in contact with anyone? Or I think most of them are sorted. A lot of them have moved on to bigger clubs. That's good. Um, but I think there's still a few are sort of dotted about. But they do have offers. I think it's just a case of of where they want to go, They're looking yeah. around, seeing what's best for them. Yeah. yeah. But then you've also got the the nines to sixteens who. A lot of them will have offers, but it's a case of maybe it's a two-hour journey to the club who wants them, so it's a big commitment at such a young age. Yeah. So I think that's that's a little bit that we don't always see as well. Yeah. With the young young kids. Yeah, and that and that's obviously um, the player side of it, and the the a big part of the podcast of what I wanted to focus on was the the staff side of it and you guys, yeah. because as an industry, this is something that can happen, and this is something that I think. Hopefully not, but over the next few years it could happen to more clubs with yeah. the sort of what's happening financially with clubs and the sort of separation between the top clubs. I mean, we're down the road from a couple right here that yeah, are flying financially, but then you've also got another few down the road that are struggling. So I think this is something that potentially could become a bigger issue. So I think it'd be really good to sort of go into what you guys think we could do as like an industry and I know there's a lot of good stuff going on out there with um, with like Dave Caroline, for example, yeah, with yeah, launching yeah. Um, his new venture about improving the sort of standards of, of sports science S&C and, and our opportunities, which I think is great. But what do you guys think that we could do going forward? I think for me, it's a little bit of protection in a way. Like when we're not paid on time, there's almost nowhere to turn. Like the coaches have their governing body. But we, we do have our governing bodies, but almost no one can who can help us with the pay. Yeah. Same as now, like I've not been paid for my last month and I've, I've had no official word from the club about the club finishing or my contract finishing. So it's a case of where, where can I turn for a little bit of help and support for that, really. Yeah, it just needs to be protection, doesn't it, yeah. for staff, definitely. So I know a few now in the, in the Premier League and stuff like that have started getting player contracts. So I can't remember who was, who was talking about it. They said like they've got three-year contracts, so if they do lose the job or anything like that, they, they're covered for the full three-year contract mm. rather than just a rolling contract. It will yeah. come, I think, like what Dave's doing is yeah. quality, that, that'll come around. Mm. So it, it will happen in the future, but it definitely needs to be more protection for staff in mm. terms of pay and stuff. Yeah, because I think people people sort of brush it to one side that you know, getting paid, but it's your livelihood, isn't it? Yeah. So there needs to be some protection there. What about reflecting on this period? So we said before, again, about uh, before we went live, about sort of reflecting on it and and if there was anything. And I, I said to you before, this sounds really bad, like like it's been your fault yeah. it at all. But is there anything you do differently? So reflecting on that period, the uncertainty, 
if you knew the amount of months that you were going to go without getting paid, like how would you, would you approach it differently? Is there anything differently you do? Um, I think from my perspective, the the pay issue has always been there, but I never saw it as a big issue because for me it was almost a massive opportunity to be working at Berry in the first place. And I don't know about yourself, but I sort of have that connection with Berry as my first sort of big club. I almost wanted to to stay loyal. So in a way, in my mind, it was no matter really what happened, I was going to stay working at Berry. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as, because I think it might have been December 2017 was the first time we sort of paid late. And then um, towards the end of that season, I think it was two, three months we didn't get paid and then we'd get paid a little bit and then the owner was sorted and then I think it was the November the following year it started coming late again and obviously we got Steve Dale in and then he stopped paying people. Um, but yeah, it's. I think if you would have said to me two years ago you won't, wouldn't get paid consistently for the next two years and I think I would have been crazy in a way to say, yeah, let's roll with it. But yeah. How about yourself, Jack? Um, well, for me, it was it, only the last few weeks really it's affected me because... I was at university, I was interning, so I was just trying to get experience coaching. And then the last couple of weeks when I got offered a paid role, that's when it really started to affect me. So it's obviously been a lot more of an effect on other people at the club who've been there for years and years and loved the club. But for me, it's just the last few weeks, so I can't really put myself in the same boat as like Matt, for example, who's been working at the club for now a couple of seasons. I've been doing it for free, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I can't really put myself in the same boat. Mm. It is a tough situation for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I was on a podcast with um, Johnny Wilson yeah. the other day, and he turned around basically and said, why were you working if you weren't getting paid? Yeah. And when you sit back and you think about it, in no other industry, really, would you accept being paid late? Mm. But I think it's, especially in the lower leagues, it has almost become the norm for a lot. I think I was reading an article the other day and it said the way we're going financially, 75% of the clubs in the EFL will be gone in the next 10 years, I think he was saying. Mm. So, yeah, it is worrying. The thing is with that, it's, I know what Johnny's like, and he's yeah. very honest in it, yeah. that's, that's great, but it's that hard thing at the time, isn't it, where you're in the club, you're working, you've got the relationship with players, you've got the relationship with staff, you want to see the players progress. Like you said before, the, the players have progressed. You've done well in the cup. You want to get into the next season. So there's more to it than just being paid or not being paid, isn't yeah. there? There's like a relationship there with the club and the players. So I, I can see why you stayed. And, and uh, I think I think you, you're always hoping for that turn. You expect the corner, it. Yeah. You expect yeah. it. Even yeah. up until the last minute, we expected it. Yeah. Like, we were all... We were worried, but we were never really worried, worried, because it's happened a lot in the past. We just thought, it's going to happen, someone will take over. Yeah. And then it doesn't, and then it just sort of hits you. Well, you see it with a lot of other clubs, don't you? Yeah. They get to the point, and, and Bolton, we know a lot of people at Bolton, and hopefully they turn the corner now, yeah. and they'll, they'll sort of kick on, because I think one Northwest club is bad enough to go. Yeah. Um, not that it's anything to do with the region, but obviously yeah. us being yeah. up here. Yeah. Um, but for two to potentially go in a short amount of time would have been tragic, really. But what would your mindset be going into the next role? So would, would you approach it any differently? Is there any, any different way you'd think about things going into the next role? Um, no, not really. 
I think I'd go in with the same mindset. Obviously, you have to be cautious with maybe what could be going into. If you go into a bigger team in the Premier League, I don't think it's much of an issue to think about money problems. But if I was going into a club who have been in the past maybe in a similar situation, then you would be a bit cautious. Maybe branch yourself out to something on the side so you're getting a bit of an income. But yeah, I'd definitely look at doing something as well as coaching to get at least a bit of income if anything was like, like that to happen again. Yeah, yeah. something we both talked about that and it's since we've had a little bit of time to reflect and mm-hmm. I think, although it's what we want to do working in football, I do think you need to have that little bit on the side as well, something where you can earn enough where you can afford to pay your bills or at least the majority of your bills with that bit on the side and then the bit of money in the football is, is obviously a nice thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about moving on to the right type of opportunity as well because I think when it first happened I would have if a club messaged me the next day and said come down I would have gone straight yeah. away but yeah. now I've sat back and thought about it I'd be patient positive and just wait for the right type of club yeah it's like it is with players so like players will look around at different clubs and think who plays the right style of football for them and yeah. it's the same with staff you've got to go to where you want to go rather than just jumping at the first opportunity yeah, because it's a it's a lifestyle as well, isn't it? Like you mentioned a few clubs before, are fair that that have got opportunities, and it's not always on your doorstep. Like, and that's a big change, isn't it? Like, yeah. a, a change of house, uh, whether you've got like family or anything that are close, and you're moving away from them. So there's a lot more to it than just taking a, a job at a club, isn't there? So there's a lot of things to yeah. take into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've just moved in with the missus now and um, I've had all these messages coming through from uh, different countries after that tweet I put out. Places like Dubai, Thailand, Vietnam, and she's just saying, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing though, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, we had Hamish on the podcast and he was talking about taking opportunities over in, uh, he went to Dubai and he went to China as well. But I mean, there. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can jump at those. They're great if you get offered them and they're great if you can go and do it and get that experience, but not everyone wants to do it and not everyone's in a posi- position to do it as well. But what what's your approach from now? Probably take some time to think over things, think what the next move is. I know me and Matt are both looking into starting something on the side, maybe. And then apply for different jobs but the right jobs then move forward hopefully we get somewhere maybe in this country maybe abroad but we've a lot of time to think now yeah I think a lot of time to network as well I think we're both saying we want to sort of not do a tour of England but go around and visit a few clubs see what they do see can we pick that up take that wherever we go mm. and um, just talk to people we've had a few offers to have a not jobs, but just going in and see how other clubs run things. So yeah. I'll take that up, I think, with definitely with a few clubs, just to see how different practitioners do, yeah, yeah, how they do things. Yeah, and I think that's vital, isn't it? And when we did the podcast with Dave, that's what he spoke about. And he was out of work at that time, and he said that's what he used the time for. And you, you can sit at home and you can sulk about things, can't you? Or you can be proactive and get out there and, like you say, set things up, get you whether you can get a bit of money in for doing a bit of a, I think Nick Grantham calls it the side hustle, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> something like that, but then obviously make the most out of your time and we'll just put it out there now. If anyone's uh, going to let the guys come into the club, then uh, just reach out and let us know and um, I'm sure you'd be 
willing to yeah, go course. down definitely, and definitely. We'd really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. No, that's great. And what? So you talked about there about networking, and you guys obviously been to quite a few of our events now and and travelled. I know we've joked about yeah. it, not having yeah. many in the northwest. <laughs> Luckily, Friday's uh, a little bit closer. But you you have you've travelled, you've committed to it, you've put yourself out there. What else are you doing to develop that network and to develop that network of coaches that you can reach out to now or in the future as well? Social media is massive in terms of getting in touch with people. So I've been a lot of emails sent out, a lot of DMs on Twitter, LinkedIn. And it's the best place to get in touch with other coaches. Yeah. Social media is massive and that's in any job, mm. any job role, not just sports, science, S&C. Just to get out there and message other coaches visit other coaches, ring other coaches, it's massive. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the industry is opening up a little bit more in the last few years. It was a very closed industry. When if you messaged someone and said, what do you think about this? It'd be almost a closed book. Um, so I think it's nice in that way and it's, it's good on social media just to talk to people. Mm. Not even a case of discussing S&C, it's just keeping friends with people, keeping friendly. Um, almost on a personal level in a way like asking how the family are friends are stuff like that mm. yeah I think it's really important isn't it if you use it right it can be amazing can't it if you don't and you sort of abuse it and get involved in the all the excuse my French the bullshit on there it, it's not a very positive place but if you do do, you do it right and you, yeah. and you reach out to the right people you can develop opportunities can't you definitely yeah. I think that's the way so where are you looking for opportunities? Is it a case of getting in touch with people? Is it a case of waiting them to appear on social media? What What's the next step with that? I think we've been very proactive, haven't we? Yeah, we um, both have, yeah. I know I've, I've, I've talked to you about different things and um, I think we both had almost the same approach in terms of we've had a few opportunities that have came our way but we haven't sort of sat back and I think it would have been very easy to almost sit back and feel sorry for ourselves for a few weeks but We've took the time, been a little bit proactive, message people, see where we can get in, and um, yeah, just trying to use our time wisely. Being a bit more active, aren't we, on social media and emails, maybe, like we couldn't have been when we were in a club, yeah. so messaging people, and like, like you said, a lot of people have come to us with opportunities rather mm. than us having to go out there, so it's been a bit of both, and it? We've gone to them, and then people have come to us at the same time. Mm. So what, if any, is there any advice that you give to coaches? So like coaches that are in roles at the moment, like with everything you've been through, like it's been a really tough period, but we're hopefully seeing some light at, at the end of, and what's the phrase, at the end of the, end the, end the tunnel? We'll have that, we'll have that. But yeah, hopefully there is going to be some light at the end of it. So what would your advice be to coaches, if anything? I think... You've got to always keep your positivity. Because I think as a coach, whatever you are in the weight room or on the field breeds into your players and your fellow coaches. So I think as a coaching staff, you have to maintain that positivity. I think even through sort of the adverse situations that you're going through. But I think in a way, don't be naive. I think looking back, I was very, very naive um, in terms of money and stuff like that. And it's almost caught up to me in a way. Because I know myself and Jack have had other opportunities in the past to move on from the club. Mm. Um, but we've stayed loyal. And maybe looking back, it's something that maybe we should have looked into a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, I second that really. Like, you just got to be positive going into a club. I've had a lot of students message me asking, like, well, how have you got into Berry? How have you ended up with a paid role? How have you done this and that? And it's just 
be positive, but like Matt said, be naive if mm-hmm. you know what's going on and behind the scenes. I think it's such a busy industry as well now, though. I think something like 10,000 people a year graduated a sports science yeah, degree and 2,000 masters. Yeah. I think once you're in a club, you've got to do everything you can to stay there. Mm. Definitely, I mean. And people, students and, and people, I don't always see what you have to do behind the scenes, whether that's like collecting all the balls, helping out with the breakfast. It's not balls up. It's, yeah, it's not just being a sports scientist. It's no. almost being a a handyman in a way as well just doing what you can to sort of keep yourself in there yeah definitely make yourself useful yeah no I think that's top advice and it's hard isn't it when you're in that job and opportunities come up knowing whether to take it or not because you don't know what's going to happen in the future yeah. but I think that is a bit of a of a lottery because you could move yeah. and it could be um, jumping from the frying pan into the fire yeah, couldn't it but you, yeah, you just yeah. don't know that but uh, as long as you're seeking those opportunities and you're doing the most to affect your practice in a positive way, um, then that's the main thing you can do as coaches, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, I I can see there's been opportunities around the corner for you both. I think you both got the right mindset to go out and do it. Oh, this would a lot not a lot of people. I know it would. Um, but I hope that coaches can take a lot from the episode. I think it's a good time to speak to both of you and get you both to reflect on what's happened. Um, And if there are anyone out there who's got opportunities, even if it just is a a day of going going visiting people, then I'll get them to reach out and we'll we'll see what comes back from it. Um, But I'm sure that you're going to both end up in in roles very soon and then we'll hopefully get you back on and talk about what your approach has been from that point. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, fingers crossed. Love to come back on, yeah. Awesome, well... Just a few final thoughts. Where where can people reach out to you? Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, email. I'm available pretty much every day now. I'm not in the club, so yeah. Anywhere. What's your What's your Twitter? My Twitter is five Jack Inman, and then my LinkedIn is just my name, Jack Inman. And what's your email? Email is inmanjack zero at gmail dot com. Yeah. So um, my Twitter is mattwood zero five. My LinkedIn's Matt Wood. I'll probably be about well near the bottom of this. It's about a million Matt so, I got asked this the other day. What, what's your LinkedIn? And I was like, it's Matt Wood. And I was like, yeah, but what's your LinkedIn? I, was like, I don't know. Just search me if I'm there. I'm there. But no, I'm not. Um, yeah, email is onemattywood at gmail dot com. Um, and thank you very much for having us on, Ben. We yeah, really uh, appreciate. We really appreciate it. the opportunity. And as I say, anyone who wants to reach out, we'd really appreciate it. Awesome, lads. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to the lads for coming on. It was great for them to give up the time. Um, I think it, it, it shows in the episode that um, they've they've been through a challenging time, but I think their mindset around the whole time at Berry and what the guys have been through just shows their strength of character on the way they're approaching things. They don't sound bitter at all. They're just willing to get into another opportunity and create an opportunity for themselves. Um, I'll just repeat the, the the names on Twitter so you can message the guys or reach out if you do have, have any opportunities. So Jack is at the number five, Jack Inman, and Matt is at MattWood05. The biggest takeaways for me were talking about protecting yourself as a coach. So just making sure that you've got things to fall back on, constantly networking and creating that next opportunity if anything does this like this does come around. The side hustle, so I think that was talked about a lot. I think it was Nick Grantham who spoke about that a lot a few years back. 
But I do think a lot of coaches need this and it doesn't have to be that you set a massive business up on the side or anything like that. But I do think coaches need that sort of reassurance um, financially more than anything just so you can you can fall back on something, whether that is savings or that is something else that you've got coming in. And then also the lads making the use of the free time. Since recording the episode, I've already seen that they've been out numerous times and they've volunteered at clubs and they're doing work at, at different clubs at different levels as well. So that's great to see. And, and it's not a time that they're um, sitting around at home doing nothing. They're actually using this time really wisely to go out and develop the practice and create opportunities for themselves. And I said to them, I think I said it in the episode, but I definitely said it after that I, I'm pretty sure they're going to end up in roles very soon, the way they're approaching things. So big thank you to the lads for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I hope coaches can take a lot from the what what the lads have been through and what's been going on at Berry. Um, and it's it's not good to see a club go through that, especially being in the Northwest. It's, it's horrible to see a, a club going out of business in that area. But I, I hope all the coaches and all the players that have been involved with it end up in opportunities at other clubs um, and I think that is going to be the case with Jack and Matt so a big thank you again to the lads and uh, we'll be back again with another episode next week